0: hey guys it's us welcome back to our podcast it's been quite a while and we are thrilled to be back on the i don't know if you call it airwaves because we're not really broadcast over the air but we are happy to be back in your ears
1: yes it is good for our voices to penetrate the market (laughs) and this is season three man season three episode one the podcast was in doubt for a while because as we know college football was in doubt for a while and so uh the fact that it's it's going in whatever form it is means it's time for North and Goal to resurrect itself, right? Oh,
0: absolutely. I, I was thinking, and and maybe we'll still do this. I had some, well, I didn't really have downtime, but fiddling with GarageBand, trying to get the recording, everything figured out. I've got a new microphone. If you guys are like, wow, Benji sounds way better this year. That's why, new microphone. I was like, man, we should fiddle with some intro music. We should do a whole new, I don't know. We'll, we'll just be full of surprises this year, yeah, much yeah. like the I'll rest leave of that up year. to you. I'll leave <laughs> yes. that
1: intro music up to you. But yeah, that's uh dude, you're right. Twenty twenty man, you never know what's gonna happen. Right here we are, October first. On October first, we should be four or five games in at this point. Season almost halfway over in either doom and gloom or optimism. But dude, we you're you're two games in, you're looking good. I've still our camp hasn't even started yet. It's so weird, man.
0: I, I feel very confident saying if BYU and Utah were to play today. <laughs> I th- I think BYU gets them. <laughs> you think so? Huh? I do. I think I think if they played today, I always come up with the best response to that one. Like if they played today, and I'm like, well, yeah, of course, if they played today, because I don't know, I, I'll come yeah, up with some. Yeah, oh, I guarantee you, reason. if
1: they played today, because Utah can't even wear pads yet. So yeah, exactly. If they played, if they played today, you guys, yeah, you'd win because it'd be we'd be in our shorts and t-shirts, and we'd get a lot of guys hurt.
0: Yes, yes, well, that would be terrible. Um no it's been it's been cool and here's the thing we've been talking a little bit in our uh, in our back and forth Marco Polo's that the the public does not get to see this has been quite the year for social media and one observation I've had is this is like the year of bad takes i mean everybody will have whiplash from looking at who was wrong and who was right because man what a way to unfold it's like okay college football is going to return everything's great oh no everyone's going conference only poor BYU And then everybody – and you had everything. If you look for whatever you want to find, you'll find it. You had people, like, laughing at BYU fans. You had people feeling bad for BYU fans. Then you had BYU fans saying, I don't know, this just doesn't seem safe. And then you had Utah fans saying college football is a bad idea once they found out that their season wasn't happening. And so, and you got transfer portal, you got Devontae Henry Cole, who we were all excited about going to Utah State and then possibly second guessing that decision. And now here it's come full circle where hopefully he gets a season. I mean, every, you like him, I like him, we all like Devontae Henry Cole. So we're all hoping he gets a. Uh, a season with the Aggies, but uh, man, yep. it, this is a, a season where you don't dare quite have a very strong take on anything. Cause you're going to look stupid in two weeks when everything it, changes again.
1: Dude. Yeah, it will change. It'll change by the day. Literally. I mean, things change by the day. This, the way this season's going, the way this life, this 2020 is going. So you're right. Anything you say definitively, you, you could look like a fool the next day. And I look at like, I, I bet I have a friend, D God, 23 on Twitter, Daniel Godfrey. He and I bet on the football season this year back in March. He's like, there's no way there's going to be a football season. And I was like, out of my mind, like, you're ridiculous. Of course there's going to be a football season. It's March. We're going to take two weeks to slow the curve. Things are going to get back to normal within the end. Of, you know, Tom Tom Hanks won't die from COVID, and all of a sudden things <laughs> get back to normal. That's what I, I was I was – Dead set on that, I was like, "There's no way the football season doesn't happen." You're an idiot. So we made a big bet on it, and all through even April, June, I was like, "Nope, everything's gonna happen." July, all of a sudden August, and like, "Well, it's too dangerous. We're not gonna play." And they pulled the rug out. And granted, they're coming back now, but I lost the bet because even though I may end up technically winning the bet that there is a season. I don't feel comfortable taking my winnings because I never thought I'd get to this point. You know, I thought it was such a stupid idea that I was willing to bet anything that after two or three weeks things get back to normal. And so, even though I could still end up winning the bet because there's technically a season, I I still feel like I lost it because I never thought I'd get even close to this point. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, and it's it's crazy because during that that time when it was all up in the air, I. I never was really comfortable saying, yes, BYU football is going to play for a, a lot of reasons, and one of them being we don't know who's – I mentioned you don't know who's going to look stupid in two weeks. We don't know who's going to look stupid in five years, you know? And and I thought, man, I don't know if I want to be guilty of – not that it, it, people are going to point fingers at me, a fan, but creating this environment of we need football, we need football, when it's uh, – sure, I can watch it on TV and be safe. I'm I'm kind of – me demanding that i'm i'm messing with other people's livelihoods and lives and all that and of course you can argue pros and cons of livelihood versus health uh this and that there's a lot of things out there this huge huge complex equation of the pros versus cons of playing versus not playing uh but you know the truth is nobody's been through this before nobody knows what happens three years later what happens five years later and uh you know those people who are foregoing the season is there any conferences or teams that are still sitting out I think even the Mac um, announced they're trying to come back. The Mac
1: now. announced they're back. That was the last one. Yeah, um, yeah. So no, everybody's everybody's in, and like you said, dude, it's not just simple. Let's play or not play because we want to see sport, dude. You have not only the health aspect of it, which everyone disagrees on, you know, right. to, uh, right. uh, whatever the right way is. But then you get down to the the. The economic side of it people losing jobs and and incomes right you have athletic departments that are laying off hundreds of people and now that's a hundred people who don't have an income who's trying to support kids and stuff i mean it's just it's so deep that it's not an easy answer and anybody that says it is an easy answer they don't know what they're talking
0: about. i'm gonna throw this out there too because i use this same argument people come after me sometimes almost as though i'm a penn state apologist but that's part of the reason I defended Penn State, is you shut down a program or you give them the death penalty or you do this and that, you're punishing people that had nothing to do with these gross and heinous crimes. There's, there's ripple effects that punish the innocent. And so, but I'm getting off topic here, but it's, I mean, it's applicable. You know, the people who are suffering, it's...
1: An accounting for Penn State who took the job eight years ago. Right. can't control it. Twenty years ago, there was a head coach that let a rapist run rampant. Right. Right. She's got her apartment bills to pay. She's got food to put on the table. But I I agree with you. I, I wanted what I wanted in that situation. I wanted Penn State to be like dinged either like a decade of bowl games. Or like have to go down a division for a couple of years or something to like punish them because they would still have to keep their employees to you know pay paychecks, but they don't get to compete in the Big Ten for Big Ten time or something like that. It's yeah,
0: it's what here's the thing. This is we were just talking business, you and I. We're both businessmen, and this is the I don't know if we have really delved into this in the past. I saw it as such a missed opportunity from a leadership standpoint, because anything that's imposed from the big 10 or from the NCAA or from outside in, it's not going to work. Like if you were to say, okay, the, the problem that the fans had is they enabled a culture where football mattered more than it should have and winning mattered more than it should have, and so we swept things under the rug. Okay, how do you change the culture? How do you change that program? You can't impose it from the outside in, but you could take a leader. You could take an athletic director or a president of the university or a head coach or somebody to say, this is wrong and here's what we're changing, and, and you could totally say, okay, from henceforth – 10% of our ticket sales are going to go to this charity that's going to help victims of sexual abuse, you know, and and, and turn it on its head. So you say, yes, we are atoning, not that a person can atone for their own sins, but we're going to take the evil that has, like this program has enabled and we're going to point it towards a good cause. And then furthermore, man, I love Penn State's classic unis. Those are awesome. But if there ever was a time for a rebrand, you got to scrap them. You got to say that's who we were. You got to say, we are not that anymore. We're going to go forward as this, you know, get some crazy new uniform, get something exciting, change the mascot, do something, but make some visible line in the sand and say, that was wrong. Let's move forward as a new unit. I should. I should. You know, I'm just lifting in my little corner way up here in Alaska. You know, I'm I'm trying to make the world a a better place with with my sphere of influence and. Uh... But that was more time than I wanted to spend on Penn State in our opening season <laughs> inaugural podcast. Boom season three. I don't think we even introduced ourselves. yet. <laughs> nine minutes in, I don't even introduced ourselves. Yet. My name is Benji. You can currently find me on Twitter as Alaskauton. Going by. Well, that's my handle. My name is Dr. Ellis McPickle. That that changes frequently. I've been sticking with that one for a while, though. I I like it. We'll see. Someone will say something, and I'll change it because it'll be even funnier.
1: My name is Jake, and I go, well, well, hey, well, actually, I used to go by the Mighty Alaskan Ute. But speaking of rebrands, about two weeks ago, I I retired that account, even though I have 3,000 followers who I all love dearly. Um, I, I retired that account and opened a new one under my name, Jake Johnson 32 And the reason is, not to get too deep into this, but for several years, I've had a love-hate relationship with Twitter. I love the fact you can get instant breaking news. You can watch highlights the second, like five seconds after they happen, someone posts them. You can interact with other fans, and, and almost like you're watching the game with 200 of your friends. I love that part of it. What I hate about it, though, is it's easy to fall into arguments and, and fights And things like that and i always feel crappy after even if i don't know the person i don't like the person afterwards it like affects me personally like I'm, i'm in a bad mood and that's not fair to my wife and kids right so for years three or four years i've thought about trying to quit twitter and i've tried you know i shut it down delete the account but i ultimately come back because those things i talk about that are attractive to me bring me back and so i have figured a way to hopefully um To to, uh, serve both masters, so to speak, right? Yeah. I have shut down that account because I developed a brand over the years of being a smack talker and a trash talker. You know, I called Jim Rome show. I was on the Jim Rome show. I called radio shows. That's kind of what I was in your face. And as I've hopefully matured over the years, I've kind of felt less and less like that, right? But I have that brand. Mighty Alaskan Ute runs his mouth, right? Um, And so on top of that, over the years, I've just followed so many people that I see so many a confluence of so many discussions out there, I've decided to open a new account and keep it about just the things that matter to me that are superficial things like football and food and chit chat, right? Things like political discussions. I have political beliefs, but I found there's no way you can have a decent political discussion, especially this day and age. I have religious beliefs, but I found when I've posted religious stuff, I get, you know, anti people attacking me back, right? I have I have stances when it comes to social issues, but I don't feel like that Twitter lends itself to be able to have those conversations, and so it just leads to anger, right? And I got tired of feeling that way. So this new account is narrowly focused: sports, food, and occasional stupid chit chat. And I found in the couple weeks I've been doing it, it's been great. I haven't spent as much time on Twitter because I don't have a thousand people I'm following. I have just less than a hundred, and so there's not as many tweets to wade through. But I still get my fill of Utah football and some food stuff and some jokes and stuff. It's been it's been great. So long s- introduction. I am Jake Johnson, and I go by Jake Johnson 32 on Twitter, and that's who I am.
0: At Jake Johnson 32, conventional spelling of Johnson.
1: No sir, I'm Norwegian. Actually, my great 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 grandfather's name was um, Johans Pedersen, right? And then his son's name was Johan Johansson, because that's what they did in in that time in that area of of Europe. They took the first name and added son or daughter on it. Yeah, yeah. And so it i could have been it, it was either petterson nielsen john anyway so it went johan johansen well that man emigrated <laughs> to the united states and changed the spelling of johansen a little bit to johnson and that's why i'm a johnson so yeah five generations ago it was johan johansen but i'm jake johnson spelled s-e-n because i'm norwegian hence the Brad Pitt resemblance.
0: <laughs> I like it. There was a second there when I thought you were going to say, and his father was named Dwight Shrewd. <laughs> oh, man, The Office of so- <laughs> <laughs> That is good. Hey, we have a lot of our followers that we they have tuned in because of social media, primarily Twitter. But of course, you know, there's there's all kinds of different ways to talk sports. I do feel like this is a segment worth spending some time on because we've both been on social media for quite some time. And we were discussing the other day that there's quite a bit of people who have only been on Twitter the last year, last couple years, and are maybe learning the hard lessons that we learned in our first two or three years of Twitter that we wish we would have known back then. So let me ask ask you biggest difference that you've noticed in uh having three thousand followers or what how many do you have now i have like a hundred like hundred okay and and you would think right away like oh that's terrible if you're new and you think followers are awesome but that's maybe not so terrible tell me the pros and cons of of each of those
1: well i touched on one i'm not spending as much time on there because i'm not i'm not endlessly refreshing the feed because there's with 3,000 followers and w- as many as I followed, every time I refresh it, there's 8 to 10 new tweets, so I was constantly scrolling. Two, I don't get pulled into so many odd discussions with people with 20 followers or whatever who came out of nowhere. To, like I, I tweeted once about – I can't even remember uh, – something about Utah football. And some kid comes out of nowhere. He's like, oh, yeah, well, you had one good game last year, and we saw what happened, and that we played <laughs> one no good team last year. And, and I, I was talking to somebody else. I was talking to, to Caleb, to Forty Uter. And yeah. somebody just comes in, and so I reply to Caleb, like, Caleb, do you know this guy? And Caleb's like, I have no idea. I was like, I feel like he's trying <laughs> to drag me into a fight. Because in the, in the olden days, my old self, when I was in my mid-20s or whatever, where I was a lot more of a hothead, um, I would have ripped him to shreds. Like, you know, I would have gone right back at him. It'd have been like an hour-long 40-tweet fight, right? And I right. just, A, I don't have the passion to do that anymore. And uh-huh. B, I don't have the energy to do that. It's like, my gosh, I don't want to do that. So I've found that I with my new rebrand with my full name out there, right? With my name on it, instead of some random Alaska newt, you know, with my full name on it, I feel like I'm more true to who I am as a person because it's I have to represent my name and myself better. You know, does that make sense? Yeah,
0: I I should come clean. I'm my name's not Ellis McPickle. <laughs> my, my name <laughs> my name is is Doctor Benjamin Hadfield, and I'm gonna throw that yes. one out there too. Uh, everybody's called me Benji ever since I was a kid. So if you see hear someone call me Benji, that's that's really my name that I go by. Um, but yeah, I I know exactly what you're saying. I remember when I was new in the early days of Twitter. I will admit. I looked at those with many followers with some pride. Like I the pride was mine. I looked at them and I was like, Man, I come up with something super clever and I get like four likes and I get no acknowledgement. And they say something like, Burritos are great. And they get like two hundred <laughs> likes. And I'm like, What you know, and I'm sitting there saying this yeah. is so stupid. Well, here's what I didn't realize, because then with time Uh, my house burned down, and uh, that that actually, I think, was the single most follow-gaining thing for me. If you want followers, just burn your house. Like, a lot of people came my way to to follow that story, which, bless their hearts, you know, I think it's because they cared, but suddenly I became an interesting person as well. Um, But I, I, through the years, got to where, okay, I do have a following. And yes, I can say something like, man, burritos are great, and suddenly a lot more people are liking it than that deserves, because it's a pretty neutral take, but... Those don't matter. You don't look at that and you're like, "Sweet, ten more likes." Like when you're new at Twitter, you're like, "Oh, people like me," and it's this good yeah. feeling. That goes away so hard and never comes back. Those likes do not matter to you at all. What the other thing that happens is, you say something, and this is I gotta, I gotta. Um, channel my inner Bronco Mendenhall here he used to talk in press conference this way because I think he hated how much he got criticized for everything he said so he'd talk like they would say something like oh Texas is great that's not to say California is not also great you know like he every time he'd said something he would walk it back just a little bit to say I'm not saying the opposite of this you know or, I'm not saying the opposite isn't true all I'm saying is this and you'd have to yeah. say something like, like the more followers you get you're like oh burritos are great and so it was like what about pizza and suddenly you're in this fight you're like what why are we talking about this and the more of a reach you have on social media you do get pulled all different directions for not saying everything exactly perfectly to make everybody happy with what they believe as well and it sucks it's exhausting
1: it is and dude you know in the last year even the climate around social media with all the social issues going on and COVID and political issues, it's, it's gotten worse. So it could go from you saying burritos are great. Someone say, I knew you were a freaking pizza hater. You piece of crap. (laughs) You know, like I didn't say anything about pizza, you know, but it's, it's right. And that's just an example, but that's, It's exhausting and it wears on you because it does. No matter if you can say, I won't let it affect me, that's fine. You probably don't, but you still, it changes your mood to how then you act different in in real life around your wife and kids, right? And so,
0: early early years of Twitter, it was like if I had the final tweet on a subject that me and someone else disagreed on, then that means I won. Like, I got my last word in. He had nothing to come back with that. I'm the winner. I changed about five years ago. I realized, no, no, no. (laughs) If I bow out and let the other person keep talking, then I've won. And man, that that fixes everything. Because I, I, it's even happening. <laughs> it's still happening. You know, the replies keep coming at you more and more and more and more. And then you can just say, okay, I, I don't have to win this one. Like if I win this one online, I've lost it in real life. But I'm I'm just gonna go like, take pictures of some clouds or something, and and I'm yeah. I'm the winner.
1: <laughs> you know who's good at, at this that type of thing? Not maybe bowing out, but Sporty McSports. He will say something kind of jokingly controversial. And then as soon as someone replies, he just says some sarcastic response to them. And it totally diffuses everything, and it's right. hilarious. So he's got to the point where he can say whatever he wants. And the same with with Caleb, 40 Uter. He yeah. can say whatever he wants because he's so sarcastic and joking that no one can ever really get into a real fight about it. Right. I envy that almost. You but know? they have
0: to you have to go into that with a hundred percent commitment of I will not get sucked in. I will not get sucked in, you know? Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. you know, you know some of those replies, they want to. You have to wanna. Yeah. Oh, dude, you do, and
1: even still, I I find myself still that same way. I'll 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 read a tweet. I this is another thing I've done is I've I've replied to a tweet with the intention of deleting it because I found just getting that out of my system it it, it like makes it easier. So I I probably type up I don't know nine out of twenty of ten out of twenty half my tweets I delete. Because yeah. it's just getting out of my system. And I found it's easy. Oh, this guy, this shouldn't bother me, but okay, delete. And then I'm I'm fine for some reason. It's weird. I don't know. Right. It's weird.
0: Weird. Right. Yeah. Anyway, welcome all of those. Those of you who are new at Twitter, I don't want you to feel like we're uh, criticizing you or making fun of you, but it happens every year. It happens every year. People are learning the same lessons that we all learned in the first few years. So we're looking out for you. You know, don't take it so seriously. You don't have to win. Sometimes losing is winning. And Especially, uh, it happens
1: a lot when football season starts, right? You get all the new guys that are like, "Ooh, Utah!" I'm gonna make a joke about being drunk, and then a B- Utah fans are gonna make a joke to BYU about honor code. You know, and <laughs> yes. it's like, dude, this is this is played. We did this ten years ago. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's like, but you don't know that because you were you were freaking you, you here. Weren't here. I can't I can't go through another drunk Utah. Fight, you know. I can't. Yeah, I can't do it. Oh, anyway, Uh, yeah. Well, welcome everybody. Let's talk. Let's dive into football because it's finally freaking starting. It started for you. Let's just let's start on your end, man. Let's start on the BYU Cougars. Go, man. Tell me your thoughts on everything so far.
0: You know, you. I'd already. I already referenced my house fire. I'm going to talk about the house fire again. When the house burned down. Uh, there were things that were like, oh man, this really sucks that we like bought this. And then two weeks later it burned down. But then we would look at things and be like, you know what? We, uh, we got by without a bed frame. Like we were actually had our mattress on the floor and we were like, we should buy a bed frame. And we didn't. And we're so glad we didn't, you know? And so there was things you'd look at and be like, I'm mad about, I'm happy about. And then uh, pictures that were lost and then pictures that were backed up on the cloud. And so we had a lot of reasons to be happy and sad. And I, I look at this BYU season and I'm so happy and I'm so sad, all at the same time. I just, I love this team. I have zero criticism, except maybe one muffed punt recovery. Uh, you know, catching the what a, you know what I'm saying. Dax Milne yeah. dropped dropped one Fumble punt. punt. Yeah. Other than that, I, this it's been dang near perfect. I mean, the offensive line has just been demolishing everything in front of them. Run game has no weakness, even though they lost the guy they were super excited about preseason. The passing game has been on point, even though they lost the number one receiving target that we had preseason. Uh, They've been throwing a lot of long balls. Zach Wilson looks incredible. You know, any criticism you had of him in the past, he's making the right decisions, and he is slinging it, and he's slinging it accurately. And I mean, I'm going to get nailed for this you know people can come after me but there's a certain you can look at a quarterback and be like oh yeah he's gonna be a great quarterback this year and then you can look at a quarterback and be like he's got the potential to throw the ball far and accurate and fast and those are the things they look at at the next level so he's getting some national attention for that not just from BYU fans but he looks the part I mean he's been doing phenomenally defense Tuiaki has been probably the most criticized aspect of the program ever since Kalani took over. Is that Tuiaki has bad adjustments? He drops eights, he never brings pressure, he, you know, all these different things. He handled Navy's option, like like a champ, like he knew everything they were going to do. Now, given Navy, okay, that maybe doesn't really count because they weren't going full contact in their practices, and so after game one, we were saying, okay, BYU's great, looks like they should have a good season, but that was not really a test because of the way Navy prepared. Troy, on the other hand, won a game, where, and they've been practicing, they've been tackling, they've been doing other things. That was supposed to be a closer game, and BYU did just as well against them, and so I'm looking at Tuyaki saying, man, if if he just keeps doing what he's doing, there I give it a better than 50-50 chance that BYU runs the table. That's the happy. The sad is, come on, everybody. Like, give us somebody to play. Give us somebody good. And you can't, you can't yell at anybody. You know, Tom Homo's been busting his butt. Yeah. We're grateful for him for even putting anything together because when the P5s were shutting down, it would have been so easy for him to say, yeah, us too you know that's the easy way and he he didn't he worked and worked and worked and he
1: gave us something that i am grateful for but nobody good wants to play us well i will give i will give him all the credit in the world because not only did he not shut down there was a lot of social pressure to shut down and nowadays if you don't cave to people that are giving you tons of pressure you look like it uh uh, whatever whatever you want to say and he Mm -hmm. didn't bow to that pressure you know he looked around and said, no we can make this happen we can do a football season so props to him there and one thing i want to go back and you said um when you're talking about navy you said yeah but they didn't practice whatever i don't care there's no excuses in 2020 this is such a unique situation unique season if if utah goes 0 and seven i won't care because there's so much going on if we go seven and zero, it will be great but i won't be like oh my gosh, this is the greatest team ever because there's so much going on, right? So I think 2020 is a season where there's no excuses, doesn't matter. You went, you won, great, you lost, well, there's a lot of crap going on, it's understandable. These are kids, you know, these are 18-year-old kids. So yeah, man, don't even make the excuse that Navy didn't tackle. That's great, they they beat the crap out of them, and that's what matters is the scoreboard, right? Um, right. So just, just for full disclosure, I'll be honest, I've only seen um, – of the two games, I've only seen half of one BYU game because game one against Navy, I was so upset still that Utah wasn't playing <laughs> that I literally I couldn't watch a single football game that weekend. I couldn't. I yeah. could not. I tried. I turned on the BYU game. I saw the teams come out in helmets, and I was so angry that, it, that we weren't playing. Like like physically, I literally couldn't watch. I was too upset. I was too upset. It hurt too bad, so I didn't watch that game. And then I, I watched the first half of Troy, and they were kicking their butt, and I had to get up early the next morning for meetings and stuff, and I was feeling not very good. So I went to bed. So I've only seen one half of BYU season so far. So tell me, in the first two games so far, I know you've mentioned – things you're impressed with. Is there a single player that you've been most impressed with um, out of, out of everything you've seen so far?
0: Yeah. So Zach Wilson's the obvious choice, you know, I was talking about his arm, like his accuracy, even his numbers were down um, in the first half of the Navy game. Cause his receivers were just letting him down. One of them slipped one of them, like, you know, let the ball bounce off his hands. So when you watch the game, when you watch him, I mean, he's doing phenomenal. However, that's the easy answer. The, the one I'm going to go with is Algier, Tyler Algier. And I'll make this comparison because I believe – I might be mistaken on this, but I believe he's been moved around back and forth uh, to fit this team's needs. That He's played some linebacker and some running back. Uh, end of last year, I think we were so depleted at running back that they converted him. And – he he conjures up, in my mind, the memory of one Francis Bernard, who you might have heard of, who early in his BYU career, I believe the coaches saw the same thing in him because they they had a, him as a, a linebacker early, and then running back injuries said, all right, we're going to make Bernard our, our default running back, and he did okay with it. And then, of course, later on, he converts back to linebacker where he thrived, and I see a Tyler Algier, I see a Francis Bernard in Tyler Algier, that he is a baller, he's a competitor. I've been uh, tremendously impressed with what I've, what I've seen from him so far. And he's, he's an athlete. He's someone you could put him anywhere, you know. He, I think he's just doing great.
1: What, uh, what year is he?
0: I believe this is his sophomore year. I know he got some playing time okay. later in the year last year, uh, you know, when it was kind of the not exciting part of BYU season anymore with uh, UMass and some of those other teams.
1: Gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Well good, dude. Good. Um, and yeah, you, you mentioned you met you met you lost probably your best player, Bushman, to start, you know, before the season. But so far, man, you haven't missed a beat, and you're not only not only are you beating teams, but you're destroying them. And yes, you know, you can you can say, well, it's just Troy or whatever. But dude, they're still division one athletes, they've still got division one coaches, they still got training programs, they got you know, coaches that are smart with with playbooks and stuff. And the fact is you're not just beating them 24-16. You know, right. um, and that's the thing. Last year, that I, I I hammered home over and over with Utah, we were not only rolling through the Pac-12, and we not only won nine in a row, but we were destroying teams. You know, it wasn't yeah. like we were beating Arizona State by uh, a field goal or tied into third quarter. Like we were destroying teams, and that was so freaking satisfying. So you got that. I mean, you got mm-hmm. that same thing going on so far. Anyway, you're you're destroying Absolutely. teams, so. And,
0: and that's exactly it is you got I mean life is too short to uh, to not celebrate things like that. Like they're easy to criticize that they're the those teams but anyone who's looking at them saying oh, it was just so so it was just so that is either have the shortest memory in the world or they just barely started watching football because this same team, you know with some every year they evolve just a little bit well, so if you, the player turnover is about 60, 70 percent the same team, right? Lost to Toledo last year, who was not good. Lost to UMass two years ago, who was not good. Yeah, I think it was three. Three years ago. Any time in the last 50 years is not good, you know? I mean, yeah. this team, they've got this identity. And this is something actually in the off offseason um, – I believe your guy, Utah Man 50 who uh, initially I didn't really like him at first because he's kind of a hothead, kind of a, a trash talker. But I like him more and more as time goes on because he digs up stats and he will go back and forth uh, reasonably. And so it was this conversation that came about about um, wins versus top 25 teams, something like that, record against top 25 teams. And so he was talking about how terrible BYU's was. And I was like, well, what about Utah's? And so we put Utah's head to head. But then he went above and beyond. And he broke down BYU wins versus top 20 time, 25 teams in the Lavelle era, the pre-Lavelle era, which didn't happen. I don't think there was any of them. Lavelle uh, and then Bronco and then Kalani. And looking at the trend, I was like, oh, man, I'm so glad you dug this up because this is the perfect response to anybody who claims that independence is killing BYU's program. You know, he broke down the Bronco Mountain West, Bronco Independent, and then Kalani and then, and then Lavelle. With that that metric of how we do against top 25 teams, this program is on the rise. We're doing great. Now, with that same thought in mind, the death knell, the most frustrating thing in the world is, yeah, we can go out and beat Wisconsin. Why are we losing to Toledo? And it's the most frustrating thing in the world. So with this being the team and this being the schedule in front of us, nothing is guaranteed, and I will take these fifty-point wins every day of the week. And say, I haven't pointed out the other day this year when everything else is stressful—our schools, homeschool, distance learning, whatever. People's jobs up in the air. Like marriages are in trouble out there. I don't know how accurate that is, but that's something Donald Trump said in the debate. Is there's a divorce rate? So I don't, I don't know. I haven't fact checked that, but there's a lot of stress out in the world. Give me stress-free BYU football every night of the week, and I will take it.
1: Yeah, two things. Um, you know who Utah man 1850 is? Actually, no. I don't think I can. Do, do I don't I? think I can out him on the air. I know, do who I he know is. him personally. I, I, I can't out him on the air. I don't think he wants to know. <laughs> okay. But when we when we're done recording, I'll tell you who it is. Um, and then uh, so Your that. wife, your wife is Utah man. <laughs> Just <laughs> yeah, kidding. She is. No, my wife is the furthest thing from a football fan on this planet, and that's okay because she lets me like breathe, lets me go to whatever game I want, watch whatever I want, does not say a word because she knows that I'm passionate about it. So I'll take that any day versus, oh, we're going out with friends at the Utah games that (laughs) night and getting a fight. She knows. She schedules things around, so I appreciate her. Anyway, so the second thing I was going to talk about is there was a guy on Twitter, I don't remember who it was, he brought that up. He's like, is this even fun for you BYU fans? Yeah, yeah, Brown Bear. (laughs) Bear. Oh, and I love Brown Bear. I think he's awesome. Yeah,
0: friend of the program. But I
1: replied back, I replied back, I was I thought about like last year when we were playing Southern Utah at home, and in Northern Illinois, and we just destroyed them. And I remember, dude, those are fun. Like, yeah. it's fun to score at will. It's fun to have that emotional high. I loved destroying Southern Utah in in nor in Northern Illinois. I remember one of my favorite touchdowns was against U- Southern Utah. Tyler Huntley drew, threw this like gorgeous seventy-yard pass to Brian Thompson right in stride for a touchdown. Like I love killing teams. I don't care. Yeah. You, you, dude, you get seven this year, eight, nine, maybe ten games. Enjoy every freaking one of them because there was a point where it didn't look like we were going to get a single freaking game, right? Right. And so I don't care. I'll take I'll take whatever I can get. I said to my man Kyle Campbell. On uh, Twitter, dude, bird in the hand or two in the bush? You take the bird in the hand and you enjoy it, man, because you don't know if you'll get those two in the bush, right?
0: There there is a scientific principle, which we are uh, discovering right now. It's like you got your Anderson Hester poll. This is the Hadfield-Johnson principle, or the Johnson-Hadfield principle, because you were talking when I thought of it. So the Johnson-Hadfield principle states that (laughs) the closer you are to a team or the the deeper your devotion to a team – the more interesting, the more you love a blowout. Because that being said, like, you take two teams you're not interested in at all. Like, let's take some random, like, uh, Iowa and, uh, I don't know. Kansas. Kansas. Yeah, okay, perfect. I, I don't really have strong feelings about either program. If I'm tuning in, I want the person who's losing to do well, you know? Because I don't yeah. care. I want this game to be interesting to me. So I want. I'm cheering for whoever's down, and and so much so that if they come back and win the last minute, I'll be like, yeah, we did it, you know. And I'll feel this little uh, kinship with the underdogs. You know, we all like the yeah. underdogs. So if you have no dog in the fight, you want the person who's losing to do better. Uh, but no, if you have a dog in the fight, like if you, if it's your team, yeah, fifty point victory all day.
1: Ex- that's a dude. That's a really good principle. You should call, let's call, seriously let's coin that trademark, the Johnson Hadfield principle. <laughs> you, it's, it's totally true. Because blowouts at that point, you're like, "Up, oh, we're up forty-eight to three. I don't want them to score. I don't want them to get double digits. You <laughs> yeah. know, or I want to see the backup linebacker, the backup running back, get a touchdown here. You're like gone past. Okay, past winning, past guys scoring. You right. know, the second string to do good things. I totally agree, dude. Yeah, that's a great point.
0: Absolutely. Okay, hey, so two
1: and zero. Oh, Go oh, let's, yeah, let's, go ahead. Um- No, no, let's let's. You're right, you're about to transition to Utah. No, no, no,
0: we should talk about Louisiana Uh, Tech because here's the coolest thing about this. I gotta, I gotta praise my program one more time. This is the coolest thing, and I they came up with this idea even before they said no fans in the stadium when it was limited fans in the stadium, limited capacity. They put out BYU, uh, athletic department put out this thing they partnered with somebody saying you can order a BYU fan pack for 120 bucks and you'll get popcorn, you'll get a sign, you'll get like some uh, just a bunch of cool swag delivered to your house plus you can upload a picture and have a cardboard cutout in the stadium and i thought that was so freaking cool because my family we were planning on going to minneapolis we were planning on seeing byu take on the golden gophers and like a lot of things in 2020 what we were looking forward to isn't happening and so to be able to say okay kids no we're not going here but guess what I bought one ticket to send one of you there as a cardboard cutout and all the kids, I, I was going to do this whole big photo shoot and just, you know, see who was going to get, be the best fan. The kids were all like, no, 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 we got to give it to Isaiah. He's our, our kid. Who's about to turn three and he's the most adorable kid ever. So they're like, yeah, it's gotta be him. And so it's so cool that we're going to have little Isaiah. And I'm hoping that they have like one standard size, no matter how big you are as a fan, because how cool would it look if he's this enormous toddler sitting there in the end zone <laughs> for the other team. So, I I love that BYU did this. I, don't, I they probably didn't come up with the idea, but the fans are going to be able to to some in some degree be represented at that game. So I'm looking forward to that. That's uh that's tomorrow night.
1: Oh, is is that the game? So it's not like all season. The picture of him in there. It's just one game.
0: I believe the thing I don't know if they're going to continually have people do more and more like as a fundraiser thing, because here's the other thing that makes up for a ton of lost revenue. You know, if you can sell a ticket for one hundred twenty bucks that also comes with a whole bunch of swag, you're you're taking some of the dent out of not having fans there. So it's a cool thing. They may continue to do that over and over. Uh, but the the deal was for the one game.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. So, yeah. Okay. We'll, well, we'll preview the LaTeX game in a second. Let's talk a little bit about youth. So, it's yeah. Fun, different stages in our season, man. So, I'm going to talk about previews, you know, and things I'm looking forward to and things I want to see. Whereas, is, you're two games in and we able to talk about results. So, it's this, a little bit different this year. But, like with everything else with 2020, man, you got to adapt, right? Let's give us the
0: fall camp breakdown.
1: Okay. So, the biggest question for me heading into fall camp, as you know, we lost a ton of production last year. We lost one of our one of the best quarterbacks we've had under the Whittingham regime, Tyler Huntley, who was first-team All Pac-12 quarterback ahead of number six draft pick Justin Herbert from Oregon. Right, mm-hmm. so he had an incredible year. So we lost him. We lost, in my estimation, the best running back this program's ever seen, was Zach Moss. He held, holds all major records. He had an incredible year. He was freaking a joy to watch. Lost him lost most of our defense. And as we know, under the Kyle Whittingham era, defense is where this team hangs their hat, right? And so there's a lot of question marks going into the uh, the season. And the biggest one for me is who is going to be our starting quarterback. And uh, the good news is, whoever it's going to be, I think is two good options. First uh, is Cam Rising, and he is a transfer from Texas. He was a four-star stud out of high school. He was actually committed to Oklahoma at one point, and then Changed his commitment to Texas, and then transferred from Texas. So maybe he has commitment issues. I don't know. (laughs) But he's obviously talented enough to to go to, like, you know, blue blood programs and be a stud there. So he's been in the program for a year. He redshirted last year. Well, he wasn't eligible to play last year because of the transfer rule. So he was the scout team quarterback last year. So he's been digesting Andy Ludwig's offense all year. So I felt he had an upper hand. But the other guy is really intriguing. His name is Jake Bentley. He's a senior, fifth-year senior and he was a three-year starter at an SEC program. And not only was he a three-year starter, he had a lot of success there. He's thrown for 7,500 yards in three years. So he's had a ton of game experience, which we know experience is, is so crucial in college football, right? If you have experience, you're usually better, right? And so it's, it's coming down to those guys. I initially put the, um, put the, uh, the fate – what's the word i looking for? Put the uh, – um, I, I don't know. I, I initially said – that Cam Rising, in my opinion, would win it because he had been here for a year and had that experience of the playbook, knew the players. But when COVID threw that wrench in it, everyone went home and went away. And so Jake Bentley has had time to study the playbook, granted, on his own. But I think it's removed that edge that Cam Rising had. And now I actually think Jake Bentley might have the edge because it's a truncated season. You know, if, if your whole goal is to win games and not prepare for the future, which Kai Whittingham has always said, I'm going to play the player who best gives us the best chance to win, right? I think at this point is Jake Bentley. It's a senior quarterback who's thrown for almost 8,000 yards in a Power 5 conference. I think he's going to be our starter. So that's what I think is going to happen there is Jake Bentley's going to be the starting quarterback. And, dude, everyone else on the offense – is, is, is returning. We have four of our five starting offensive linemen back. We have all of our receivers back. Covey, Thompson, Nakua, um, Enos. We have our tight end who who emerged out of freaking nowhere last year. Brant Keithy, he's back. He's our probably our best offensive weapon. Um, and then we have two running backs who are going to be vying for the ball, right? Uh, Devin Brumfield and Jordan Wilmore, both kind of in the Zach Moss mold. Both big kind of bruisers. Um, and so it's the offense, I think, is going to be not miss a beat, even with missing our quarterback, who was the All-Pac-12 quarterback, and our best running back. I think the fact that we have the line back, the receivers back, and good depth of running back, we can put somebody in there, one of the two quarterbacks, and we'll be good. Where I'm worried is on the defense, because not only did we lose nine of our 11 starters, but, dude, we lost, like, impact superstars. Look at Jalen Johnson, the cornerback who went – in the second round of the Chicago Bears. He, I saw a stat on Pro Football Focus. He is literally the number one cornerback in the NFL after three weeks for passes, defense, and uh, efficiency. The number one as a rookie. He was a freaking superstar. So we lose him. We lost Francis Bernard, who you mentioned earlier, who was a, a, an awesome linebacker. We lost most of our D-line. Bradley and I, who was the, the mayor of Sac Lake City. We lost, um, uh, we lost our safeties. Uh, with uh, Terrell Burgess and Julian Blackman, both of whom were drafted, both of whom are making an impact in the NFL. We lost, not only did we lose a lot of guys, but they were high-impact studs, right? So that's my biggest concern, is the defense. And... I think we take a step back defensively, which is almost impossible not to because we were ranked the number two defense in the country behind Ohio State, right? So, I mean, not only did we have the players, but they produced on the field. And so they were the best defense we've had under the cowet era. So I think, I think we take a step back there, and that's my, my biggest
0: concern. I, I can see that. That would be interesting because, yeah, for for it felt like a decade the identity of the Utah football team was the defense and the offense just could never catch up we've talked about that at length in this program before um but yeah it, it feels like you know the offense is ready to just to just run i mean not even run to throw you know like that seems like a very high power prolific offense uh defense wise i it may take a few games to get up to speed i would bet if you were to compare the uh, effectiveness of the first half of the season versus the second half of the season, again, not knowing if there will even be a first half or a second half, you just never know. But if you compare the first fifty percent of their games versus the last, I think you're going to see the most improved. You know, you're going to have some some defensive improvement because, like you would mentioned, the experience matters, and you have a lot of inexperience on defense. Um, so yeah, the yeah, I agree.
1: Not not only not only is do we have a lot of inexperience, but we have a lot of freshmen who are going to play big right. roles. Right. I mean, we, we we have we have some dudes coming in that we've never been able to recruit before. One specifically, Clark Phillips. I don't know nope. if you know about him. He is a cornerback out of California. He was an Ohio State commit at one point, and he's the highest ranked recruit we've huh. ever gotten. Like he's the highest rate as a cornerback. He was committed to Ohio state. He took a visit. I do remember that. I
0: remember that drama, the Twitter drama.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And was sold on it. And here's the thing about him, dude is like, he's not only just like, Oh, he was an Ohio state commit. He was their highest rated cornerback commit for a top three class and a top three team in the country. So he's not only just a good cornerback, he's like a superstar level cornerback. Right. Right. So he'll get a ton of playing time, but he's still a true freshman. doesn't matter how talented he is. He's still a true freshman. We'll have another true freshman that will probably, in my opinion, start in the backfield. Uh, Nate Ritchie, a safety at a low mm-hmm. peak. Um, he's, he was, had a lot of P five offers. He was, he wasn't a four star. I think he was a three star or maybe he was a four star, I'm not sure, but he was, Highly recruited. And he'll probably slide in at one of the safety roles. And then we got two stud defensive ends that were committed to us. Van Fillinger out of Corner Canyon, a four-star dude. And then Xavier Carlton out of Juan Diego, I think. But he, he spent most of his career in California, came to Utah's senior year. But both those guys are four-star defensive ends. So we got, we got a lot of really good but super young talent who's going to fit in. So like you said, a season like this, this is where it really, really benefits Utah, is on the defense because the NSA rule, these guys don't lose any eligibility right. this year, right? doesn't matter if they play one, seven, or ten games. So this is like a free freaking yeah. season, right? You can put these freshmen in. You can give them game experience against other P5 teams and not have them lose one ounce of eligibility. So next year, they come back as freshmen again, but they've played a senior, you know? And so,
0: Does that apply to upperclassmen as well, seniors? I mean, co- is Covey yes, going to come back everybody. as like an eight-year senior?
1: Yeah. Covey is going to have a play alongside his son <laughs> when he's a senior. Nice. <laughs> Dude, yeah, it applies to everybody. And That's what's funny about Britton Covey is I remember when he was a true freshman, and he the thing that people always say to him, that guy's still around. That's actually when someone says that, that's yeah. a good thing because that means you're making an impact early on, right? And so I remember when he was a freshman, he had he was freshman all American, was and was a huge part of our offense. But that was freaking 2015, yeah. right? And and I remember him saying some, joking about Chase Hansen being old at that point because he had gone on a mission. Well, Cubby's gonna blow that out of the water because then he went on a mission two years, then he came back and played, and then he had an injury year last year, and then this year's not even gonna count. Yeah, right? he should have been a senior last year by all standards. He should have been a senior last year or no, the year before actually. He because he should have been a senior the year before. Um, so he should have been gone for a year already, and he's still just going to be a junior this year and next I, year because it doesn't. Count.
0: I, I like Covey. I like that he, he already looks the part too. He's got that receding hairline early, but then the thing is, he's a stud. He's so diplomatic on social media. Like this guy, if if he doesn't already see it, I will tell him. He, he's a he can be a governor of Utah someday. He, he people like him.
1: What's funny is I'm I have a I'm, I'm related to him now. Technically, I'm not related yeah. to him. But my brother, it's his, his niece married Britton Covey. Oh, my nice. plays tennis with Britton Covey, and he'll text me all the inside info that he's got coming yeah play, Well, so, my, does, so
0: does he like, already know that yet, or do we need to use this little pipeline? Uh, you should tell him he should be governor someday that uh, from me. I think so. Okay.
1: <laughs> Benji, Dr. Benji <laughs> Hadfield from North and Gold said you should be governor. Maybe if I play my cards right I could get him as a guest. Oh
0: that that would be cool. That would be great. We'd have to figure out my,
1: bro- my brother'd have
0: to no know. We we have not yet figured out how to get a, a third microphone going at the same time here, but we'll we can figure it out.
1: <laughs> no, but when we do when we do, my cousin wants to come my cousin's Britton Johnson That's right, that's right. He 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 lists this podcast. Shout out! to him. <laughs> he said he wants to be a guest on one day. So we, if we could make it work, we I have to can
0: remember get it. if so he and he probably remembers the game, the high school playoffs his senior year, eliminating the Box Elder Bees, uh, 1997. That that's when I first I didn't meet him. I was a sophomore. He was a senior, uh. But yeah, I was a Box Elder B, and man, Murray had a good team that year. It was a uh, that was crazy. My brother was uh, he played against my brother.
1: They actually. They, if I recall, Murray came in second that year. But they won state the year before when my other cousin Jeff was a senior and Britain was a yeah. junior. Yeah, they won. state that Did they, year of the
0: next year. I'll right have now. to. Add, maybe I won't bring up all the old stuff. But uh, McKelly Wesley at Provo High School was big at the. That was the, the P four level. P P four. He and, and Britain
1: had had a rivalry.
0: 4-8. That's four what I'm, I'm trying to say. say <laughs> P four.
1: Yeah. He and Brit. He and Britain were kind of. Rival. Yeah. I, mean, I shouldn't speak for Britain on this. So, but but i think they had a run going cuz they grew up in the same kind of aau right and i'll tell you something. yeah yeah there, yeah I don't speak
0: sounds name. good <laughs> I don't
1: speak to my cousin oh all. good times anyway so those those are my those are my concerns the defense but we got we got the players that can go in and that's why this year being a freebie is such a benefit long term for utah i mean you give clark phillips seven or eight free games that doesn't count against his eligibility next year dude he's going to be I mean, he have a whole year under his belt, but still be a freshman. So I think long term, it's going to help Utah. But that's my concern. the defense, quarterback, and then I'm not concerned about the other.
0: Do you do you know yet who you play in the north?
1: No, they do. The Pac-12. I'm going to be honest with you. I like being the (laughs) Pac-12, but it's the. Big and a oh, yeah. Run conference on the freaking planet. Their leader, Larry Scott, I have tweeted fire Larry Scott probably a million times because he is such an idiot. He, he's outside the industry. He never watched, he even said on his first day of the job, Oh, I've never watched football because he's just a, at a Harvard business. Really? Day, you know? And he was a, a women's tennis um, commissioner. And he, and then he came to, to college football. He wasn't, he wasn't a football guy. He even said in college he never went to Harvard football games. He's just not a sports guy. Yeah. So he's about business. And you hear, you hear him talk, and he just uses all the corporate buzzwords and jargon, and doesn't really say much, right? And so like watching this happen as other conferences who have made it a priority, and again, I'm not going to get into whether it's safe or not to be playing because everyone has their yeah. opinion. But I've watched as other conferences have made it a priority to play, and they did it right. The Pac-12 was the first league to get this daily testing contract with this company called Quidel. They were the first league. They got it three weeks before they even announced if they were coming back. They signed this contract and then went silent for three weeks, didn't try to get anything passed through governors in Colorado or Oregon and in California, just totally sat on their hands like a bunch of idiots. They're the last to do anything. They follow whatever the Big Ten does. And so, no, to answer your question, <laughs> no, they don't <laughs> have a schedule. Out. They're not, not going to announce it until this Saturday. All right, all right. The funny thing is is they announced before they announced before anyone else had this, this, this freaking uh, testing back, but the Big Ten all of a sudden is starting October 24th, and the mountain freaking west. Yeah. Who didn't have anything who announced last they were returning are starting before us by two weeks and it's so
0: frustrating. it is it is and i'm sorry i'm not laughing at your pain i'm but <laughs> that is yeah um well let, let me just pivot to my next question then of the south because you know most likely you'll play everyone from the south if the games go through as scheduled uh who do you like who are you afraid of and who are you laughing at
1: We're the reigning back-to-back South y- champions, Yes, right? yes. And we got that title, man. So I, I think, though, the best team this year in the South is USC. That's the thing, though, is they are the most talented team every year, regardless of the best or not. Even when they suck, they have dudes all up and down that roster who we would kill to have. Right. It's just a fact. So if they if, if they can put it together, then they should win the South every year, in my opinion. Um, but they have, they'll be the best team this year in the South because they have a returning quarterback, Keaton Slovis, who was a freshman last year, and he just kind of exploded on the scene and was awesome. In the bowl game, I think he had – I think, honestly, he had 300 yards passing before the second quarter in the bowl Mm. game. It was like 297 at the end of the first quarter. Crazy. And he's just – he's awesome. And they they have so much talent. The problem is, ever since Pete Carroll, they haven't had a top-flight head coach. Yeah. They went to Sark, and they went to freaking um, – who else sark and then, oh, then lane,
0: lane kiffin, kiffin right?
1: and then and then sark
0: and ed then, orgeron took oh, a little stint up. there and they whiffed on him yeah. you know he was like an interim you know coach
1: he was an interim coach and he helped him win the i think he helped him win the south yeah right here, um that he was interim and you know what i i heard off air or not off air. i heard someone say like that it was said off air by the by the uh, by the president they didn't want to hire him because they didn't like the way he <laughs> talked you know like, because he does. He does yeah. talk kind of like cooking. Oh, and I love it and so like, much. And like, <coughs> I do, too. And so they, they were turned off by that, and they let him go. And what happens, he goes to LSU and creates, like, last year, one of the best college football teams in the history of college football. Yeah. Dominant freaking team, win the national title. So, yeah. So then they went from Ed Orgeron to to Clay Helton, I believe, and he just hasn't done Yeah. back. You know, he, I, he actually actually don't, he won. I, I I take that back. I think it's either second year or first year that he won the Pac-12 and won the Rose Bowl, uh, beat Penn State with Sam Darnold. And so he was good that year. But he's just he's – just, they, they need a coach, dude, with their history, their location, and their money. They need a Nick Saban, Dabo Swinney, Urban Meyer type coach. Yeah. That's what they should be having. And if they ever pull their freaking head out and hire one of those guys, it's game over for everyone else in the South, especially. Yeah. And everyone else in the conference –
0: Oregon, they they have all the built in advantages. I mean, the the university has the prestige, it has the reputation, it has. I mean, a d- degree from USC is a, it's a good degree. They've got the location, they've got the. I mean, the list goes on and on. Weapon? The the song girls. I mean, <laughs> name name it's a disadvantage. Well, <laughs> I would say that here's a disadvantage: Compton. It's not a safe place, right? That's the one thing. No. Is, is its location is a little sketchy. You, you turn off. You turn
1: off the wrong way there look the freak out right right? it's like a, it's like a scary i've walked from i've been to you know games down there a few times you walk the wrong way you got the 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 strip malls with all the bars on it and graffiti and stuff it's like it's a scary yeah um but yeah so that that's the one thing that location but hey it's in southern california where all the great talent is where all the beaches and the weather dude you're right they have every freaking advantage but for some reason, they just don't – Well, if they were to get, like I said, one of those top-tier coaches
0: – They're to- they're getting by on their built-in advantages, and, and they're not doing anything with it. And how often does that apply to each of us in our own lives, right? Are we just getting by on our built-in advantages, and we're not actually taking advantage of the opportunities ahead of us? Thank you for coming to my sermon.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll say the clip. Yeah, there you go. Anyway, so USC, USC I think, is number one. But I don't think Utah's that far behind them. If the defense, if the defense plays better or plays more experienced than their yeah. experience, they got the talent. There's no question about it. They got the coaching, Kyle Whittingham and, and Morgan Scally They've got the system, um, and so if, if they if they play up, then I think uh, I think Utah can challenge for it. But I would expect it to be USC, and then either Utah or Arizona State after that. that
0: yeah, game. I I will be honest. I miss. Pac-10 <laughs> Oh man That was an honest mistake My phone's ringing I'm recording at work New year New studio So I was a little distracted I miss Pac-12 football no, It's a caller call To
1: the program It's people calling in To, to, <laughs> to Hey this is Ed Orgeron What are you saying About my voice <laughs> I demand an Apology Um
0: I miss Pac twelve football because it's exciting. I'm in Alaska. I'm further west than the Pacific time zone. So those evening the Pac twelve after dark, I mean that all that ends at like nine or ten o'clock for me. And so You know, love or hate Utah football as a BYU fan. I like Pac-12 football, and I don't hate Utah football. Let's be honest. I'm old, and I'm just getting a little uh, more—I like Utah football. But, you know, I love Pac-12 football. I'm excited for it to come back. I was driving around the other day thinking about a conversation we had last year. Remember the comparison we made with the live fire exercises the military does and then practices and how each coach has to make the decision of— how realistic do I want to make my practices? How brutal, how violent when you weigh players' safety versus being prepared for the game? And that's a, a question every coach has to answer. Well, this year, you've just thrown a whole monkey wrench into everything because it's in addition to injuries and player safety, how safe are you going to take the coronavirus? Because you know if someone catches it, they're sitting out. And like our uh, Tristan H- uh, Hodge, the BYU stud offensive lineman, he's got pneumonia. So he's out at least two weeks with coronavirus. He might be out quite a bit more with the symptoms of coronavirus, with the pneumonia that comes from it. And so you've got a lot of decisions to make as a head coach, not just in terms of how are we going to get ready for the game, but how are we going to navigate this season. And I love it. It's chaos. It's organized chaos that we are all dealing with together.
1: And you know what? I think uh, when it comes down to it, Kyle Whittingham being an old-school Grind it out, hitting and practice type of guy. I think he will err on the side of, of of too much hitting and stuff versus not enough. Yeah. Right. And so there will be teams like the sissies in in SoCal, UCLA, who won't, who probably won't prepare well because Chip Kelly's not the coach everyone thinks he is. Right. Uh, where Utah, I have no doubt, Kyle Whittingham will have them as prepared as they can be.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that'll be interesting, too. I wonder if like the uh, red state teams versus the blue state teams, because for whatever reason, politically, how serious people are taking the coronavirus, those two things seem to have aligned. And so I think red state football teams that are like, forget it, we're just we're going to practice like nothing's going on and nothing's wrong. You know, they're going to be ready to play football or they'll all be sick. But, uh, you know, that's is that's big as a big roll of the dice. Everyone's taken. Right. not talking
1: in we're getting close to an hour we we haven't missed a beat my friend pick up right where we left off yeah right. right.
0: Louisiana Tech predictions I think it's going to be I'm going to just 54 to (laughs) 7 that seems to be the trend yeah
1: Yeah. I agree it's going to be one of those games where going in the fourth quarter there's no question and you're just enjoying it Hoping the backup running back. Right,
0: back exactly. Down, right? Yeah. Hey, thanks thanks hey, for awesome. tuning any, in. Any new sponsors we have this
1: year?
0: Actually, yeah, the uh, Chinook. Chin- Chinook. <laughs> yeah. Or, That's close. It's close Chin enough. Close enough. Chena. Chena River goes through this area. So we're named for the waters of the Chena River and the Chena Lakes. Chena Dental Care, uh, sponsored the program, as well as my personal rebrand, bhoutdoor.com. You can find some of the world's most stunning photography at bhoutdoor.com. I've been working on it today. I've got it. I've got one or two, like, hey, everyone, it's me. You know, that's about all that's up. But, But you can go order photography from there. My Alaskan kayak site is still up just because I've been working with that brand for so long. But I'm getting away from that brand. That was kind of my uh, growing up, becoming a photographer brand. I'm I'm trying to be just a little more established now that I've got my photography hanging in the walls of a legitimate dental practice, hanging in the walls of a real art gallery downtown Fairbanks. And so, uh, we're we're gonna stop calling calling ourselves Kayak, and uh, we're gonna say BHOutdoor.com.
1: Don't know. If Benji's a world-class photographer, or
0: he. <laughs> th- those go hand in hand.
1: I think, I think yeah. yeah. All right. Well, it, uh, we will look forward to next week. Utah's supposed to kick off camp. Next nice. Week, so maybe I'll have some sort of nuggets to talk about next week when we, when we and you will either be three and O, which you should be, um, and also hey, good news for you today though you added Boise State to the schedule, right? Which is a legit. Division no, one.
0: I've I've been uh, I've had the craziest busiest day. I haven't hardly looked at my yeah, phone.
1: Well, wow. News for B H Outdoor Photography, November seventh, BYU at Boise in Albert, at
0: Wow, that's cool. That's I like it because you know what? That's a game. That's a real game. That awesome.
1: It's a, it's a legit Division I team. That's yeah. Good and you're on the road so it'll be a good challenge. Yeah,
0: so awesome. There's your, there's your that's great news. news. Yeah. yeah, let me anything else in the world I need to know about? I I really I've been I've been looking in mouths and then I set up this and I record it. it's it been like 10 hours since I went on the internet. <laughs> no, no, no that's the only thing. You know All right. Well, that's
1: awesome. All right, man. Until until next go time, Cougs. Go you-